Welcome to the Renaissance Podcast. If you would like to participate in online worship, sermons, and children's programs, then check out the Renaissance Church at Home page at rendicator.org. Now, let's get started. Renaissance family, it's so good to be with you, whether you're here in the room or joining us online. Uh, listen, today we're, we're, we're excited. We're starting a new series. Um, it's coffee mug theology, and maybe you have a mug similar to this, and this one, Psalm 4610, be still and know, or maybe you have a, uh, you know, a favorite magnet or a, a plaque on your wall, and it just kind of has a, a verse or a part of a verse, and, and we're, we're, we're kind of looking at some of those because there's, there's, that could be helpful. It, you know, it can remind you and, and be a thing that it, of encouragement. And we have the calendars, you know, with the verse of the day. Um, but it can also, it can also, if we're, if we're pulling that scripture out of, out of the context of the chapter and verse and book that it's in, it, it really can be a, a danger if we begin to kind of run down a road that it was never intended for. And so we just, we, we are actually looking at some of those verses, not, not necessarily all of them are going to be, you know, kind of that out of context dangers, but we just want to, you know, look at some of those things. Uh, the one that we're looking at today is Psalm 37, four is delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of, of your heart. Now, when I was growing up, uh, in, in the, the church, um, the church I was a part of, and let me say, I love, I love the church that I grew up in. I really do. But even, even worship leaders can fall kind of into this trap of taking scriptures kind of out of context and using them because they, they sound good. So, you know, you'd hear, you just get that boom chuck going a boom, uh, on, the, on the drum set. And, and there was a song that it was, they, they run on the cities, they rush on the walls. For great is the army that carries out his word. Right? The Lord utters his voice before his army. And then blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. And I was a trumpet player, right? So I actually got to be part of the worship team. And when they would do this song, they'd, you know, they'd ask me to come. And you get to this part, blow the trumpet in Zion, Zion. Here it is. Bum, bum. That was my big moment, right? Sound the alarm. Well, that... Is actually from Joel, Prophet Joel, the book of Joel. Uh, and it's the army of the Lord is really his judgment that he's bringing. And then the army is locusts that are running on the cities and rushing on the walls. And they're carrying out God's word. And so we're singing in church, right? It's a, we got the boom chuck on the, on the drum set and we're just going at, and it's completely out of context. You know, again, I love the church I grew up in, and, and there was a lot, lot of, a lot of good memories there, but, but that was one where, oh, Joel, Prophet Joel bringing destruction on, on Israel. So, so those are some of the dangers, but we're looking today at Psalm 37, 4, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And just at first glance, we can call like, hey, wait a minute, red flag, like we know, Right? The desires of my heart, God's just going to give them to me if I delight myself in him. What does that even mean? Right, so let's look at that first part, the, the com really the command of that verse is delight yourself in the Lord. We don't, we don't really use delight a lot, right? What does, what does delight yourself in the Lord mean? And 
when you look it up in, in, in Webster's, it's just great pleasure. To delight means great pleasure. And it would be joy, but, not, but joy is really kind of not, not the full extent. It's like joy overflowing, right? It's peace, but it's not, not peace. It's like this peace that you've, you've never had before. And uh, so it's, it's, it's fully devoted. You could say it like this. Love the Lord your God, right, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. You're all in, but it's not a chore, Right? It's not a burden, it's a joy, or it's a, to use the word to describe the word, a delight, right? It's delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your hearts, that second part. That's the promise. He will give you the desires of your heart. So what does that look like? Well, I, th- I think when we delight ourselves in the Lord, when we give ourselves completely over to God, when we're all in, when we're loving God with all our heart, all our soul, right? All our mind and all our strength, our desires change, right? It's no longer really our desires. And God actually gives us some desires and he gives us dreams, right? And he gives us these promises. And, but even then, it doesn't always play out the way, in, in fact, I'll say it hardly, I'll just go ahead and say it. I'm gonna step out on a limb. It never plays out the way you think it will. It's never your plan. It's never your way. And God says his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And, and somehow, some way, he gets glory in the end, and it's for our good, and it's better, but it's never our plan. Now, I have some pretty good plans. I don't know about you, but I have some pretty good thoughts. I have some pretty good ideas that I, would, you know, I often share with God. And I'm sure he, he gets a little chuckle out of it. And but his ways are higher than our ways. In fact, if you go down in, in Psalm 37, it says that the steps of a man are established by the Lord. Another version of the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, right? When he delights in his way. That's uh, Psalm 37, starting in verse 23. When he delights in his way. And even when he falls, he will not be utterly cast down or cast headlong because the Lord upholds them with his hand. And I, I just see this picture of me walking with one of my children. I have six of them, so I could just pick one, right? And, and I'm, I'm walking and I'm, I'm setting the steps, right? I'm ordering the steps. I'm establishing the steps. They're ordered by, by me, and I'm holding their hand. So even if they trip, right? Even if they were to, to fall, they're not going to completely fall, they're not going to be utterly cast. They're going to be cast headlong. Why? Because I'm upholding them with, with my hand. And you see that picture of, especially toddlers, right? When they're, when they're walking along and their, their feet are going all crazy. And there's the dad, right? Or the mom. And they're walking and they're not concerned. They have a hold of their hand. And though their toddler's legs might be going this, that way and the other, they're not completely falling over because they're being upheld by their father, so David is writing this psalm in his old age. In verse 25, it says, I was young, but now I'm old. So this, this Psalm 37 is just him recounting some, some Proverbs in his life. So in fact, they really can each stand on their own. So Psalm 37, 4 stands on its own. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But again, like we said, it doesn't always look like the path that, that we would take. Let's look at, at probably one of the most Hope-filled, one of the most optimistic characters in all of the Bible. All right, no matter what would happen, 
he's full of hope. No matter what would happen, he's got this optimism, right, that, that I desire. All right, so let's go to Genesis chapter 37. And the Judeo-Christian God is, is often referred to, especially uh, with, with our Jewish friends, right, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So God first comes to, to Abraham, and he picks him out of everybody and says, this is going to be, I'm going to make you a, a great nation. I'm going to make you a great people. So Abraham has a son named Isaac. Isaac has a son named Jacob. Now Jacob is the one who wrestles with God, and God changes his name to Israel. So we have Israel. Uh, the nation of Israel is being born, right? So Jacob has 12 sons, and those are the 12 tribes or 12 people groups of, of Israel. One of those sons is named Joseph. Now Joseph was the son of Jacob's favorite wife. Now there's a whole backstory on why he has more than one wife, and please, you're welcome to read it. It's, it's a pretty cool narrative, um, but uh, it, it, it also shows us why we, we only should have one wife. But, so he has this son by his favorite wife, Joseph, and he's younger than all the other sons because Rachel, Jacob's favorite wife, uh, wasn't able to have sons until later on. And so they have the favorite son, Joseph, and he is hated by his brothers because so much favoritism is shown him. And at 17 years old, he, he's given this coat, this robe, right? One version says of many colors. Another one says it's, it's, a, it's a long robe with sleeves. And the only other time that that's used in the, in the Old Testament is to denote a royal robe, right? So he, he's really given him this, this robe that said, you're going to be the leader of the family. So these brothers really have a hard time with their youngest, at the time, brother Joseph. Right, they, have a, they have a hard time um, dealing with him. In fact, there was a, a time that, that is recorded where he tells on his, he's a tattletale, tells on his, comes back to the dad, said, hey, the, my, you saw my brothers, that, you, know, you know what they were doing. And so they, they just, in fact, they can't even, the Bible says they can't even speak peaceably to him anymore. There's that, that much hatred, that much vitriol towards him. So what does this 17-year-old brother do? God gives him this dream, and the first thing he does is run to his brothers and tell them this dream. Hey, I had this dream, right? All of you are going to bow down to me. You know, it's from God. Isn't that awesome? Well, his brothers don't think it's awesome, right? They were already not speaking peaceably to him. They already hated him, and now they hate him even more. Then he has a second dream, the same thing. His brothers and now his mother and father bowing down to him and even his dad's like rebukes him. And, but his dad is, is one who, that's his favorite. So he kind of, he takes it and holds it in his heart. So there's this, this hatred towards this brother. They, the, the dad sends the brothers with their, their shepherds and he sends them to pasture the, the sheep in Shechem. Now, if you remember anything about Shechem, this was a bad place for those brothers to go because they had killed a lot of people there. And people in Shechem didn't like these brothers. And so they decide, well, we're going to go 14, 15 miles further north. Well, J Jacob, Israel, didn't know that. So he sends Joseph, his son, to Shechem to check on his brothers. So Joseph gets to Shechem, and he's kind of wandering around the field. He happens to run into a stranger that says, oh, yeah, I heard your brothers talking that they were going to go to Dothan. So Joseph makes the trek, the 14, 15-mile trek to Dothan. 
And as he's coming, they see the robe, right? They see, they know who that is. All right, here comes the master of dreams. He's a ways off. Here comes the dreamer. And they say, we're, we're going to kill him. We're going to end this, right? We're going to get, we're this far away. Dad's not going to know about it. We're going to kill him. We're going to say he was attacked by a wild animal. And the oldest brother is like, um, you know what? Maybe the way I can get back in my dad's good graces is saving him. So let's, hey guys, he tells his brothers, let's put him in a pit. Let's not, let's not kill him. Let's put him in a, in a dry cistern. So they do that. And why that oldest brother, Reuben, was gone, they see this caravan of Ishmaelites and they decide to sell him to the Ishmaelites. Like, we can get some money. We don't have to kill him. The blood's not going to be on our hands. It's a perfect scenario, right? So they take his, they take his, his robe, his royal robe, and they, they dip it in blood. They take it back to the dad. They've sold him now to the Ishmaelites. And his dad, Jacob, Israel, thinks he's dead. So here is Joseph. He's in the pit. Now he's sold into slavery. And we don't get anything recorded that he's a complainer. We don't get anything recorded that he's angry. But we know that he's human. So he, he can't be excited about it, right? He can't be extremely exuberant. But what we do see is the Israelites take him to Egypt and he's sold to Potiphar, which is one of uh, Pharaoh's officers. And he's working now a slave in, in Potiphar's house. And everything this guy touches does well. And as we read this, this narrative, we can say that, man, this, this Joseph was still delighting in God even in the midst of the pit and slavery and, and now working in this Potiphar's house as a, as a slave. Because everything he touches, he has the favor of God on him. So he's working and Potiphar's wife comes to him and he says, and she says, lie with me, right? Joseph's a, a pretty good looking dude. And she says, lie with me. And he says, no. Well, she propositions him a second time. And this time she grabs hold of his clothes when she propositions him. And, and he runs away and she keeps his clothes. So he's buck naked, right? He's running away and she accuses him and has his clothes as proof. So now he gets thrown into prison. So here's a guy thrown into pit, sold into slavery, a slave in a house, but Potiphar, he'd been such a, the favor of God had been on him in such a way that he was, the only thing Potiphar had to worry about was the, the Bible says the bread that he would eat. Joseph was over everything in the house. And now he finds himself in prison. Well, the leader of the prison found out the same thing. God is all over this guy. Everything he touches prospers. So he sets him up over all the prisoners, over everything that the prison would, would be about. Joseph's in charge. So Joseph finds himself still hopeful, still optimistic. Everything he's touching is turning to proverbial gold, right? He's the, we, find, we find him delighting himself in, in God, even in the midst of the pit, even in the midst of being a slave, even in the midst of being a, now a, a prisoner. All right, well, one day, Pharaoh sends two of his officials, because there's, one of them is treasonous, right? So he sends them both to prison. Joseph's there. He's taking care of these guys. And one morning he sees that they're, man, what's going on with you guys? Why are you so sad? And they're like, 
we both had dreams and we, there's no one to interpret him. And he's like, well, isn't, isn't God the interpreter of James? And so that's, that's why we're, we can pull from this thing. that Joseph still had this relationship with God. Joseph was still delighting in the Lord. Joseph was still trusting in the eternal. He said, isn't God the one who interprets dreams? And so the, the, the cupbearer, you know, the one who would taste the, the food and the wine so Pharaoh wouldn't be poisoned, and the baker were there in prison, and they both had dreams, and they tell these dreams to Joseph. Well, the cupbearer goes first. He tells him his dream, and Joseph says, oh, well, you're going to be restored. You're gonna, you're gonna, in three days, you're going to be serving wine to, the, to Pharaoh again. So the baker's like, oh, okay, bet, let me tell you my dream. So he tells him his dream, and Joseph says, oh, yeah, you're going to die. Crows are going to eat your eyes. You're going to be, your gut's going to, you're going to be hung up to, to die, and yeah, it's not going to go well for you. Well, exactly what Joseph said happened, and he, but he tells the cupbearer, remember me. You know, you, you, when you go back to Pharaoh, remember, remember me. And he goes back to Pharaoh and totally doesn't remember Joseph. So here's Joseph now, right? He's been, been betrayed. He's been thrown in a pit. He's been a slave. He's been now a prisoner. And now he's forgotten, right? All these things. And yet he's still hopeful. He's still optimistic. He's still, God is all over him and everything he touches, right? A couple years go by and Pharaoh has a dream and nobody, not his Encanters, not his sorcerers, not his magicians. Not, nobody can interpret this dream. And then the cupbearer is like, oh my gosh, I forgot about Joseph. And he tells Pharaoh, you know, I had a dream when I was in the big house. And this Joseph told me, uh, it, they interpreted the dream for me. And it, and it was true. And it came to pass. And, and here I am. And, and I'm, I totally forgot about him. And so Pharaoh calls for him. Of course, Joseph comes and interprets the dream. And his, his dream was that there would be seven years of uh, fruitfulness, of plenty. And then there was going to be seven years of famine. And Joseph's like, you got you to prepare. In those seven years of fruitfulness, you got to build storehouses. And you got to set people over. And you got to start collecting grain. And because and the seven years of famine is going to come. And that'll, that'll provide for you in the seven years of famine. So Pharaoh says, well, I need to put somebody over that. And the whole time Joseph is giving honor to God. He even told Pharaoh, he's like, God's the one who interprets dreams. God's the one who, who did this. And so Pharaoh says, I need somebody who God is with, right? And so he chooses Joseph from prison to be now second only under Pharaoh over all of Egypt. Seems like maybe his dreams are coming true, right? But we all know Delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of a heart. We know that guy who has all the riches and is unfulfilled. All right, we know the guy who has all the money and he just needs more money. Right? Or he has all the fame and now doesn't, like I just watched Michael Jordan's last dance. And Michael Jordan says, says this. He says, if I had to do all over again, I wouldn't want to be a role model. I just, want to play, I just want to play basketball, right? The, the, the pressures of fame, like most people don't. We, we look at the, the rich and famous, and a lot of them, their lives are a wreck, and they can't handle it, right? So we see that, and so we know, here's Joseph. Now he has the, the, the riches. Now he has the fame. He has the fortune, and yet he's still somewhat unfulfilled. That wasn't the dream that God had given him. 
This isn't the, the end of the story, and yet here he is, and his family is not there. And so the seven years of plenty come, and he is over all of it, and he's doing a great job, and he, they're storing up grain, and the seven years of famine come. That famine and drought was so bad, it reaches to Canaan. It reaches his, his family, his brothers, and his, his father, Israel. And so they send the brothers to come and get grain, buy some food so they can live and not die. And long story short, they end up coming a second time, and on the second journey, he reveals himself to him. So let's pick it up there in, in uh, Genesis 45. And now do not be distressed or angry with yourselves because you sold me here. For God sent me before you to preserve life. For the famine has been in the land these two years, and there are yet five years in which there will be neither plowing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you for a remnant on the earth and to keep alive for you many survivors. So it was not you who sent me here, but God. He has made me a father to Pharaoh and a lord of all his house and ruler over all the land of Egypt. See, Joseph still has this this heart that is honoring to God, and even through everything, being thrown in the pit, being sold into slavery, being a, a, now a, a slave that is thrown into prison, and being betrayed and forgotten, he's still this hopeful optimistic that says, it wasn't you. This was God. This was God's plan. This was God ordering the steps. This was God setting this up so that we could be saved. And not only you, but look at all these people that are saved because of God's plan. Right? We see him later, the Israel, Jacob, the father, dies. And the brothers are still worried that Joseph is going to now that the dad's gone, he's going to take us out. Right? He's not going to treat us well. And so they come to him and, and he says to him again, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. It sounds a lot like what Paul wrote in Romans 8.28, right? That God is working all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. It sounds a, a lot like we can delight ourselves in the Lord and he will give us the desires of our heart, but it rarely, never does it look like what we would plan but it's always better. It's always for our good, right? It always saves more people, right? In Joseph's case, it, it fed and saved an entire nation and Joseph's family. Jesus himself would question in a way, not, not be okay with the father's plan, he finds himself in the Garden of Gethsemane and he is stressed to the point of, of sweating drops of blood. And he says, listen, listen, if there can be another way, right? The words that he uses, if, if I don't have to drink this cup, but what he's saying is if, if there's another way, because this is the night that he was going to be betrayed and he knew he was going to the cross to die. And he's like, if there can be another way, but God... Father, not my plan, not my steps, not my will, but yours be done. 
Because Jesus had a delight. This is, this is what's great about God. He wants our relationship with him to be a delight. Delight yourselves in the Lord. He wants our, this, this Christian walk to be this joyful, exuberant, fulfilling relationship. Delight yourselves in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. But it's, it's funny because he delights in us. The Bible says over and over again that he delights in us. And Jesus, it would be said of him that for the joy in Hebrews 12, for the joy that was set before him, right? For the delight that was set before him, you and I, the chance to have a relationship with us for all of eternity, that joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising its shame. How good is God that he would delight in us and he would say, listen, I want you to delight in me as much as I'm delighting in you and we're gonna delight in each other and you delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart because Jesus said even himself that for the joy that was set before me, I, he endured the cross. He went through laying his life down so that he could have the desire of his heart, which is you and me. You might have found yourself deceived, forgotten, in your own pit, right? A prisoner. Feeling like you failed. Feeling like these steps, this journey that you're on doesn't make sense. Delight yourself in the Lord. And he's going to establish your steps. They're not going to be your steps. They're going to be his steps. And along the way, if you allow him, if you will delight yourself in the Lord, no matter what pit you're in, no matter what prison you're in, no matter whether you're feeling forgotten or deceived or rejected, he'll meet you there. And not only will he meet you there, you will thrive there. His favor will be upon you. He is for you. His delight is you. His joy that made him follow through and say, God, not your will, or not my will, but yours be done, was you. That he would go to the cross because of you. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you that you delight in us God, that you love us. God, and that you are wise enough, wise enough to establish our steps, to order our steps. Lord, God, that you, that as we delight in you, you don't get, even give us, Lord, that opportunity to, to make our own plan and make those, those own steps of our own. But God, you order our steps and you work all things together for good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, may we delight in you even in times of being in the pit. May we delight in you even in times of feeling rejected, deceived. God, may we set our hearts to fully delight in a God who delights in us. God, we love you and we invite you to order our steps. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Podcast. 
I hope that God has spoken to you through this message and that you're encouraged to continue pursuing Him. If you would like to get connected with what's going on here at Renaissance, then find us on social media or visit us online at rendicator.org. Remember to check out the Renaissance Church at Home page for online worship, sermons, and children's programs that are being offered during the COVID-19 outbreak.